Hello everyone, I'm Shalina, the Children's and Youth Program Director here at Impact Life Church. Welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, it would be great if you could take a moment to like this video or subscribe. But most importantly, we hope that what you hear impacts you so that you can go and impact generations for Jesus. We just want to extend our you know, deepest welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, this evening we're going to do something a little different. This is my beautiful wife, Jamie. If you don't, haven't met her, this is, this is she. This is the better side of who I am, and then, uh, and I'm just so grateful that we could get to do this together. Uh, we're, we've been doing a series for the past, uh, I'd say, what, eight months? Or eight months, sorry, eight weeks? Eight months. About eight weeks, just talking about roots. And, uh, you know, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to just to Colossians chapter 2, just for a quick moment. And if you have a Bible with you, awesome. And we're going to just go there for a moment. And if not, we have a few scriptures on the screen you can follow along with us. And before we start, we just want to pray and we want to honor God. And again, while we're here, we're here to impact generations for Jesus. So we believe every time we gather that Jesus is going to make himself real to you in a greater way that you haven't sensed or seen him before. So that's what we're going to just pray over. Father, we come before you. We're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you are good and you are faithful. You are for us. And Lord, we come before you with great expectation. Lord, thank you for every person in this room, every family that's represented here. Lord, we thank you for your kindness being revealed, for your goodness being revealed to us in a deep way. Lord, we give you the praise and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So just as I said in Colossians chapter 2, Am I, is my mic sounding okay or am I sounding like I'm in a, I got a reverb, do I got to sing? Is that what you want me to do? <laughs> or laugh or do something. But in Colossians chapter 2, they're figuring it out up there. Thanks guys. Colossians 2 verse 6. And this has been the verse that we've been really focusing on for these past little while. Just getting rooted and established. It's okay. I mean, it's great that Christians, you know, we get to know God. We come around. But the whole purpose of Christianity is we get rooted in this thing so we can actually see results in our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. It's one thing, oh, I'm a Christian. We'll prove it. Right? The proof is in the fruit. We want to see some fruit out of our lives. And that's what this whole thing is about. So again, this is not a religion. This is a relationship that's real. And Jesus wants to make himself real through you and I. And in verse 6 it says this, And now just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must. Say, you must. You must. That sounds convincing. Hey, you must. You must. you must continue to do what? To follow Him. Then he says, Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So what we've been talking about for the last, oh, for some, some time, is getting established in these topics of grace and faith. This is the conversation of heaven. This is how you have a conversation with God. It's by grace through faith. So a lot of times people are going, how do I talk with God? How do I have a relationship with the Lord? It's all by grace through faith. Grace is everything God has done for you and I. Faith is simply a response to what He has done. That's all that it is. So rather than we're trying to figure out how to get stuff from God, we got to come at it from a different perspective that grace has already provided it. Faith is simply responding to what He's already provided. Yeah. So you're not trying to get things from God. You're responding to what He's already given you. Right? So, it's, so that's what we're going to get into a little bit this evening. So I'm going to just ask my darling here just, uh, just a few things. Hi. <laughs> We've been married for almost 11 years, man, and I'm, I'm telling you. I know. We, like, we got this thing, don't we? We're, we're pretty solid. We're learning. We're, we're learning. So the question that we just, I wanted to ask my wife, um, and you're going to give a little bit of feedback, kind of where you came from, your background, 
And why don't you actually start there, first of all. Why don't you explain maybe a little bit of your background, where you came from, who you are. Sure, in regards to living a faith life, right? Yeah, you guys don't want it, my whole story tonight. Um, when it comes to what Joel and I really wanted to talk about for my part, because I said to him, I'm not going to stay up here the whole night, because what ends up happening is Joel just goes and he's preaching, and I'm just sitting here looking, and I'm like, oh, you're cute, oh, good point. But I asked if we could do my part, and then if I can just <laughs> head over to my table here. But um, what he wanted me to share is a little bit of how I um, went from being a Christian, right, who reads the Word, to a Christian who decides that the Word of God is my final authority and that that's what I'm going to live by. And that's what we've been talking about. Um, we, we did grace, like he said, for the first month or so, and then we moved on to faith. So for me, in um, the process of my life, it was probably in my early 20s, I think I came to the point where I've been a Christian for a while and I had a lot of Christian young adult friends, and it came to the point where really am I going to live by this thing that I call Christianity, the Word of God, what God says, or is it just a part of my life? So I, I did have to come to that place where I believe every single person has to come to, once you're already Christian, you're walking with God, is, is the Word of God just good words, good whatever, or is it the truth? Um, and for me, I think that looked like things like in university, I was getting tired of being around my Christian friends and us saying things like, man, I don't know where this tuition payment is going to come from, uh, but hopefully God can help me. <laughs> you know, I would know scriptures like, well, God can provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory, but I wasn't actually living that way. I think I was still in the place where many Christians stay their whole Christian walk, which is maybe God will do that, right? Like you see it in the word and you're not entirely fully convinced. Um, if you've been here some weeks ago, we talked a little bit about Abram's, Abraham's story, that he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he said he would do. So I think that's my story of where I had to come to the point where either this is my final authority or it's not, right? And for me, that came out of a place of almost frustration, like, man, I'm kind of tired of talking about this. I, I want to see, like what Pastor Joel was saying, I want to see the fruit in my life. And so I made that decision. I think I was 23 or almost 24. And I can say, what, 12 years later? that was one of the best decisions after getting saved, after getting filled with the Spirit, that you make this your final authority. You know, that's easier said than done because we don't want to make it seem like the faith life is just something that you wake up today and you're like, well, I'm going to live by faith today. That's it. Because really it is a process of renewing our minds, of learning what the Word says and actually walking it out. So I think we'll talk a little bit about that tonight, right? Yep, yep, for sure. And so the next question that I had for you or you wanted me to pursue was just this one. So tell us a bit about the process of learning to live by faith and how did becoming fully persuaded to live God's word? How was that process for you then? Sure. So is it okay to call it a process? Yeah, I guess so. I didn't want it to seem like it's, it's not a formula, no, right? it's not a formula. Learning to live by faith, although there are so many faith learning. principles, but like you already mentioned, it's a relationship, right? So I think, I believe for myself, I guess I'll just go through a few of the components um, for my life, or since this is my part and then I'll duck out here, um, is that really learning to live that, wow, learning to live that faith life, it really is a walk, right? You're learning to make one faith decision after the other and that's what becomes a lifestyle. So wherever you're at in this room tonight, maybe you're learning to live by faith, maybe you're in the, I got one foot in the, I'm fully persuaded and then, a natural circumstance hits you upside the head and you're not 
be like, oh, okay, I guess I wasn't fully persuaded. Do you know what I mean? Right. I think everyone in this room could probably share a situation. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's healing in your body, maybe it's believing for peace in a world full of anxiety. Maybe it's believing for children, which was, was part, a yep. big part of our story. I believe that everyone's probably got one area where they're saying, yeah, I still couldn't say that I'm living fully persuaded in that area. I'm still maybe in limbo. So for me, the process of becoming fully persuaded really started with getting to know what God had provided first, right? right? Which is what we spent a whole month talking about, mm -hmm. that grace has already provided. But honestly, a lot of that comes from learning God's character. When you find out who he is, it's so much easier to believe what he's provided, right? Example would be, you can read through the word and you can find all these promises and you can try and believe them. But when the rubber meets the road, it's so much easier to believe when you know who you're believing in. So for me, that was probably a process of going from, you know, if you grew up in the Christian world, God's a provider, God's my provider, or God provides to learning, wait, he is the provider, he's my provider. Do you know what I mean? Such a difference from just knowing he does provide and, and he's, he's provided for some people, but learning who right. he was to me was probably the first big part of that yeah, process. Yeah, for sure. Would you like to know the rest? Yeah, <laughs> please, yeah please do. I figured you weren't going to step in and ask. No, uh, that's, that's good. What's the next component? Oh, well, <laughs> I am really glad you asked. Um, this is the way that it's worked for me. This is the way that God's worded it to me. Um, so hopefully this helps someone here, is that once you see something in the word, ask yourself, what do I believe about this? And that might say like, oh, can you even say mm. that? Yeah, you probably should ask yourself honestly, because this word is the truth, but it's got to become truth to you. So for me, um, I'm going to use the area of, of getting pregnant, because that was a, a big faith journey for us, right? And so what we had to do is find out, first of all, what's God provided? What does he say about that area for us? What does he say about having a family? And after that, I had to say, okay, I see it in the word. God said, be fruitful and multiply. You know, there's a scripture right there. But then I had to ask myself, well, what am I actually believing here? Am I believing that right. fully? Um, and I believe that that's important to ask, right? It, don't just start saying scriptures, con confession, confession, confession. You got to be honest. Where am I at? And it, you could be honest like, man, I see it in the mm. word, but I've never seen it in my life or I've never seen it in my family's life. Um, I, I, good example I can use of that is worry. Man, I saw worry in my life, my family's life. Every Christian I knew I see, saw worry in right. their life. So when I found out in the word, do not be anxious for anything, I had to say, well, Jamie, do you really believe that? Hmm. And then I had to take the process. Right. Either you choose to believe that and you're going to take the next steps I'm going to talk about, or you're just going to hang out in that area. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yep. Some of us in this room are probably still in that area in a certain um, yeah. area of our life, and you, you kind of go around the mountain for a long time. So that was my next step is finding out, Jamie, what do you really believe yep. about that area? I want to give a scripture, Hebrews 11, 1 in. Did you guys know there's a new Amplified? There's a new version of the Amplified? It's just called Amp. But let me read that to you. You guys have probably heard Hebrews 11, 1 a lot. Let me get it here in the new Amplified the screen too. Uh, it says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Listen to this. 
Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Isn't that good? Faith comprehends as fact what you can't sense out here and what you can't sense in here. So when you find something in the Word and you're like, I want to believe that, it's most likely going to go contrary to what you see here, what you've experienced here, what you sense here, what someone has told you. But now you're faced with the choice. Do I believe that? Or do I believe what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing? Do you go with where your emotions are leading you? Mm. So for me, in the area, again, of again being led out of worry and into peace or being led into being convinced that God's plan for me was to have kids, again, I had to decide, do I really believe what the Word is saying? And if I choose that, if I say, yeah, I believe it, here are a few of the components that it takes to get fully persuaded of that, right? So I want to read you another scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, and amplified again, the new one, because it kind of hits it here. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We all know that verse, right? We walk by faith, not by what we see or experience, but listen to how it brings it out in the Amplified. It says, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. When you find something in the Word and you say, I believe that, the next step is to line up your life, right, in a manner consistent with what you say you believe. And the way that you can get there, or some of the ways that you can get there, is you literally take that word and you stand on it. I'm sure some of you have been in there, where you say, I will not be moved from this. I don't care what this physical pain is in my body. I believe that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, just like the word says, right? You stand on it. Another way is you speak it. You don't speak it or declare it to make it true. That's that's kind of a mind shift. You say it or you speak it because it is true. And you are in this process. When you choose, I'm going to believe this word, and your natural mind is like, yeah, but but how? I don't know how. I don't see that. You're going to have to actually stand on it. You're going to have to say it Mm -hmm. to line yourself up with what it says, to agree with what it says, right? right? Another way you do that, um, and a lot of us know this, but it's a good reminder, is you meditate on it. What does meditate mean? It just means to chew on that over and over. What does that sound like? Well, in the negative, worry, right? right? You mull something over and over. Well, to get fully persuaded that God's able to do what he said in that promise you found, you stick with that. I mean, write it on a cue card and stick it on your mirror, your dashboard. Actually, don't stick it on your dashboard. We're, we're being judged on our driving right now. <laughs> we got a little app that literally judges us. I'm not doing so hot. <laughs> you could do better. That's yes. <laughs> so stick it somewhere you don't see while you're driving. But, but that's another way is you meditate on that promise that you have. Another thing is that you give yourself honest heart checkups. And Joel and I, we've got personalities that tend to err on being a little too hot on ourselves. So just be gentle with yourself. But give yourself a checkup by saying, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7 again, by saying, okay, I'm, I'm saying that I walk by faith. That means I believe what I saw in the word, whatever promise you're standing on. That means I've got to live my life in a manner consistent with that belief. That means I need to, is what I say I believe actually lining up with how I'm acting? Hmm. And you know what? It, sometimes the truth is a little bit, uh, it hurts a bit, right? When you give yourself a heart checkup. But if you want to live a lifestyle of faith, yeah. 
versus just, you know, you've got a few faith stories here and there. If you want your life to consistently produce fruit, then you got to give yourself these checkups, yeah. right? I'll give you an example. When I say that I believe the scripture that says, do not worry, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God will guard your heart. If I say I believe that, if I say I'm living by that, that that word or that truth is my final authority, then when I start mulling over worry and concern and anxiety in my head and my heart, I'm going to have to catch myself. That's what I mean by giving ourselves regular checkups. And you know what? It's as simple as, um, not that we do this to our kids, but I have a picture of maybe this was done to me as a kid. You just kind of grab yourself by the shirt and move yourself a little bit over right? It's just a slight adjustment. Oh, back onto the word, back onto the word. What are you going to need to do in that moment? Maybe you need to say it out loud. No, I do not give in to fear when it comes to my family or my kids or my finances. I'm sticking with the word. Whatever you have to do in that moment, give yourself a checkup right. and just honestly be teachable. Let yeah. the Holy Spirit move you back over. Yeah. So that was um, just some steps to to becoming fully persuaded, I guess, and maybe one of the last things I want to add in is that if you want to live a faith life, it's, again, I think I already said this, but it's not going to come overnight. We have got to train ourselves to be more aware of what we cannot see, Mm -hmm. right? It's what we cannot see that is the truth. So if you're believing for something in your family, whether maybe it's a breakthrough, but all you see in front of you in your family is just chaos and destruction, you're going to have to train yourself to be more aware of what God says and to be led by what God says, right, than by what you're seeing. And that is not something, if you've gotten saved um, sometime in your life more than when you're just a kid, right, you've you've dealt with some stuff, right? You've been through some stuff. You've had some opinions formed. You've had some experiences. Renewing our mind means that we're kind of unlearning some of those things and choosing to go with what the word says. So really what's been on my heart during Joel's faith series is that people would hear this. When when he gives you faith principles that you wouldn't say, oh, well, I don't know how to do that, that you would just take that and apply it step by step by step, right? Mm -hmm. That you would do that and train yourself to be more aware and to believe more in what you cannot see. Is that making sense? It's not something that you don't just wake up and be a faith giant, right? Right. You start to live your life that way. And and I can guarantee you, if you take one area, I took my very first area, like I said, was worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to look at scriptures on that. I'm going to, okay, the word says, cast my care. I'm going to take those thoughts captive and I'm going to cast my care. And man, you cast your care, even if you have to stop yourself a thousand times an hour. No, that thought of worry, no, I'm going to cast you. I'm not going to worry. Honestly, you begin to do that and it'll become more than a faith walk. It will become a lifestyle to you. So I want to leave you for my part with one last scripture. That's a really well-known scripture in a lot of faith circles, but I want us to see it just slightly different. Um, This is Mark 11, 22 and 23. I'll start 22. Jesus replied, he's talking to his disciples, have faith in God constantly. Click. Can we go to the next one? Yeah. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, 
here's the part that I wanted to highlight. Doesn't doubt what in his heart? Doesn't doubt in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place. It will be done for him. He will have what he says. Just want to go back to that one slide. You know, I think I've read that verse a lot in my life thinking, if I don't doubt what I'm saying, if I don't doubt what I'm saying, if I don't doubt what I'm saying, you know what, that would be works and religion and putting it on me. Mm -hmm. What am I doing by living this faith life? I'm not doubting in my heart that God is able to perform what he said he would perform. And isn't that what Pastor Joel's been teaching us from Abraham in Romans 4, right? He was fully persuaded that what? That he could perform this? No. We can't provide for ourselves. In the natural, I couldn't stop worrying. In the natural, unfortunately, we couldn't make that kid come to be. We needed some supernatural Mm -hmm. assistance for us to start having babies. And again, once God made that happen, it's just been happening. That's helpful. (laughs) But we couldn't, like for us living a faith life in that area, right? For us learning to live by faith in that area. Because as Joel said, Man, what a jip. In high school, they tell you it only takes one time. He's like, it did not only take one time. (laughs) Scare tactic. (laughs) But what we had to do, um, I guess this is what I'll finish with, the actual practical process for me. What we had to do is honestly, I spent, I don't know how many nights, just me and God alone with a Bible and a journal writing out scriptures. This is what God has promised us. I knew in my heart since I was six years old, I'm supposed to be a mom. That's who I'm supposed to be. I had to take that and find scriptures, meditate on it, become fully persuaded, and not doubt in my heart that God had the ability to do what he promised. And honestly, that's the faith life. It's so much easier than I think we make it out to be, right? Do you think sometimes we just really complicate it? And and, um, I'll say this, not... I think the people that complicate it the most are the ones that have been in a faith circle the longest. Mm. That's where I see the most confusion, actually, yeah. is where a lot of people start to get into. You grow up in this. You hear it a lot. Yeah. It's easy to kind of get into a works mentality. i got to say it. i got to act like it. And before you know it, you've fallen yourself into your works again. Yeah. Right? So it's, yeah, it's absolutely. That's right. So yeah. I guess that is um, the long answer. And I did just want to answer to one long answer to your question of how I became fully persuaded. Yeah. No, that's and good. I have to say this, once I made that decision that this word would be my final authority, yeah. there was no going back. There was areas that I hadn't become developed at yet. Like, for example, healing. I still had to learn different areas. And we'll, we'll constantly be learning until we yeah. move to heaven, right? But I just want to encourage you. I, I know there's got to be at least someone here tonight that hasn't made that first step and that's what has to happen first i believe that what god says is my final authority and you train yourself to keep going that way when something comes up whether you have all of a sudden you make that decision tonight and tomorrow you deal with a financial struggle bring yourself back bring yourself back to know what the word says because to be honest without this i have nothing like i would be the most emotional up down everywhere person That would really suck for you, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Married, married to that. No, it would. Joel, Joel doesn't appreciate emotion very much. No, not, not like that. <laughs> but really, this is all you and I have. Yeah. Eh? yeah. Not just as, as pastors, but as people. Yeah. How, I always say, how do you live this life without God? But more than that, like, how do you live this life not being fully persuaded? Yeah. Because you will be, like James says, 
up and down. What happens if you are up and down? Yep, you don't receive anything from you. You don't. And that's where people get frustrated. Right. Right? No, that's very true. Would you like me to ask you a question? No, that's okay. <laughs> Your questions are deep. No, that's good. She kind of just summed up everything we've been talking about for the past four weeks just in that powerfully 15 minutes. So yeah, thank I'm you, sorry, sweetheart. That's no, that's, no, that's fine. I appreciate that. I love that woman a lot. She's my, she's my best buddy, and I'm thankful to do life with you, sweetheart. I mean, what, when she's, what she's preaching is also it's her life, so I'm thankful that I, I got to do it with you. <laughs> but if I, I'm going to just uh, continue on, just a few things that Jamie had talked about a little bit. Uh, so I want you, if you have your Bibles, please follow along with me, but we're going to get into a few things here, just about faith and going forward in that. Did you receive some answers from that? Like, man, that was just clarity for me again and again, and I'm not just, I mean, I mean that, there's some solid truth in that. But uh, the first thing that I want to just make mention to you and I is just, again, wrapping our mindset around this a little bit differently. And the first thing that we got to, we have the, the, the standpoint that we got to take is that God has already done his work. God is not in the process of still doing things for you and I. He's already done the work. For example, salvation. If anybody wanted to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior so that they knew that they knew that they were a child of God, does Jesus have to come down and die on a cross again? It's a finished work. It's done. So that's why we can boldly and go on the streets and man, witness that this is what Jesus has done. Just receive him. And at that moment, somebody can receive salvation. But So we, take, we understand that from a salvation perspective. But I want you to see from abroad. Salvation does not just mean you're not going to hell, going to heaven. It incorporates everything in this life. And I want to show you this verse. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Man, I love this, but it's not about getting God to do something. He's already done it. Can you just say that with me? He's already done it. He's already done it. So you're not trying to get God to do anything. He's already done it. And this is from the Passion Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, everything. Everybody say everything. Everything we could ever need for what? For life and godliness. Is that it? You have it on there? Okay. Has what? already been deposited where in us by his divine power so you got it all say I got it we have to understand this for the church people sometimes we can be the weirdest people simply because we're trying to get God to do something that he's already done it'd be like just a kind of a little example Davy can I just pass this to you it'd be like me coming up to my my man Davy here and just saying um, and then Davy coming up to me and asking hey can I have your Bible how do I respond to that question? If he comes up to me, can I have your Bible? He, he has it. Right? Do, do you see, David, can you just hold it up in the air and just wave around like you just don't care? There, there it is. What am I supposed to do when he says, can I have your Bible? <laughs> you got it. So I want you just to see it from this perspective. Thank you. I want, this is what God is, this is the way he's doing it. A lot of times people are asking, God, I need this. I, I gave it to you. So people wondering, why is God so silent? Well, it's not so much God's silent as us, much you realizing what you already have. Okay, we'll continue reading this. It says, for all of this, talking about everything that he's planned for you and I, all of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by his name and invited us into, come to, or sorry, us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. So the only thing that we're actually lacking is knowledge. Christians, 
All that we're lacking, we're not lacking anything other than knowledge. It says it's coming through the knowledge of our Lord. Some translations will say coming to know, to know Him on an intimate level. Coming to know God is what we need. Because when you know Him, you see what He's already provided. Right? So that's the standpoint that we need to get. So most Christians believe that God can do anything, but many of them don't believe He has done very much. They live in a constant state of trying to get God to do something. They are begging God to move for, through revival, through healing, through prosperity, etc. They run from meeting to meeting trying to get something from God, but they've already got it. So how do we know this? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, that all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has done what? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, every, say every, every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. God has already provided everything. And if I don't see or feel what he's promised, it's not that God didn't give it. It's that I don't realize what I already have. I got to realize. So this is simply what we're doing this evening is we're going to just taking this time from this standpoint that God has already done it. I already got it. So now if I already possess it, how can I actually start to see it work in my life? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Philemon verse, chapter 1 is only one chapter in Philemon. And verse 6, it says, The sharing of your faith may become effective by what? By acknowledging what? Every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. So this is what we need to do now, is we have got to take the time to acknowledge what I already have. So rather than, oh, I need this and I need that. That's where a lot of Christians live their life and it's frustrating. But if we have a different standpoint of going, God has already provided it. Now what am I supposed to do? Lord, I want to thank you that I already am blessed. Thank you. So rather than thinking, oh man, I got to get healed. I got pain in my body. I need healing. I need healing. Take on a different perspective is I am the healed and the enemy is trying to take it away from me. Can you see that? It becomes so much easier rather than trying to get something you don't have rather than retaining something you already do. You're not trying to get God to do anything. He's already moved. So even when we're talking about faith, faith does not move God. It's a response to what He's already done. Yeah? I thought somebody's going to run around the room, but okay, we'll just hold tight. We'll get in there. But is, this, is that making sense of what we, this is what we got to focus on, is taking time to the communication of your faith become effectual. That means that your faith would begin to work by acknowledging every good thing which is in you, which is already in Christ Jesus. Every good thing that is in you, in Christ, you've already got. So we got to start acknowledging or releasing what you already have because you are in Him. Now, for some of you that may be kind of wondering, like, this is already pretty deep. Well, we've been talking about this for about six weeks already. So if you want more information, we got a podcast that we've been talking about this in great depth. Uh, but now, I want you to go to 1 John chapter 5 for a moment. Now again, I want to just talk to you about faith for a sec because this is, this is it. We are faith people. And again, I'm not saying that because this is a denomination. I mean, for those who wonder, we are a non-denominational. We, we love Jesus and we love the Spirit of God. We tongue and tongues around here. This is who we are. But so faith is not an arm or denomination. Faith is a lifestyle that if you have been born again or brought into the kingdom by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the way that God has called us to live. So this isn't a suggestion. This isn't a good idea that God says. He says, if you are a born-again child of God, how many of that's you? All right, that's you. What does that mean? The Bible says you have to live by faith. faith. Everybody say it. Faith. faith. This is how we live. 
And you can see it over and over in the Bible. Four times the Bible clearly says, the just shall live by faith. This is how we live. This is how we act. This is how we think. This is how we talk. So we get kind of what Jamie's saying. We got to learn to live this way. So 1 John chapter 5, this one gets really exciting, all right? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And you can see already how powerfully that is, but what you believe, automatically you become. I believe Jesus is the Christ. Therefore, what have I become? A child of God. That's who I am. Right? So if you've done that, that's who you are. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Verse 2, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are burdensome. For, here it is, for every child of God. Now who's a child of God again? How do you get in? Come on, somebody shout it out at me. How do you, you believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? You believe that he is Lord. That's it, you're in. That's, that's not difficult, is it? It's not a religion where you have to act all these duties out in order to be a child of God. You simply believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, the Bible says you're in. And I like that. Then he says, every child of God, what does he do? Defeats this evil world. So in God's eyes, you are an overcomer. In God's eyes, he sees you winning, not just once in a while, in every area of your life. Right? Because you are not just, I'm not just Joel hanging out around here in Red Deer, Alberta. I'm a child of God sent here by the king. I'm a child of God. So I am called to defeat this evil world. Can you see that? That's who you are. And now, we achieve this victory with what? Our faith. So now, just because you're a child of God does not mean that everything's hunky-dory and everything's okay for you. Does not mean that. Some people kind of have this idea, okay, once I get into the kingdom, then everything's a-okay, I'm good. Well, no, now we need to learn how to live using this victorious tool. It's called faith. We need to, like what Jamie just said, we need to learn to live this way so it becomes our lifestyle so that we can see victory in every area of our life. Rather than just kind of hoping something will turn out once in a while, a lot of people are kind of just going, if I can just, I like the way, just spray and pray. Hopefully one sticks. Just brrrr. God, 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 I need it. I need it. You throw out all these prayers. Hopefully one of them sticks and it worked. Hi, it worked. It worked. What did you do? Well, I just spent six hours in prayer and it worked. Thinking that that's going to get you the answer the next time. That's not how this works. And so God gave us this tool called faith. And we have to understand how it works because if we remain ignorant to not knowing how faith operates, we cannot experience victory. And that's, for, that's, and that's sad because God paid a huge price for you to be kicked, get your butt kicked in life. That's not His will. That's not His desire. His will is that you win. Say, I win. I not how much you, but I'm attracted to winning. Anybody enjoy losing? Can I please see a show of hands? Anybody? One. All right. We're going to have to have a little chat afterwards, Mr. Chris. Anybody, like, I mean, you think about it, any kind of board game. I hate losing in crib. It's the worst. And Jamie constantly beats me in it. So it's getting a little bit obnoxious. I got to find a game that I could beat her in. We'll figure that out. Monopoly or something. Anyway. But every child of God, they defeat this evil world. And how do we do it? Through our faith. God gave you his faith to grow. He gave it to you. It's just, it's came from him and he gave it to you when you became a child of God. He gave it to you. 
Now it's your job to grow it. It's your job to expand it. You can't depend on everybody else to make sure that it grows for you. It becomes your and my job to do what we want to do with it. Right? How about you? But I want to see it grow so I can start seeing victory in every area of my life. Right? And then verse 5, it says, just in case we didn't get it all, and he says it again, and who can win this battle against the world? Notice that word only. Everybody say only. Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, it just shows me that the world is going to kick your butt on a regular basis and don't expect to win. Why? Because you have no power on the inside of you. But the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what happens? That power comes on the inside of you. You become a world overcomer. There's a difference. There's a separation that's here. Now, what I want to talk about for us is that we got to understand how to work this faith, grow this faith, because, man, it's not God's will that we be losers in any area of our lives, in our marriages, in our finances, in our parenting, in anything. God wants you victorious. Now, you've probably heard that a lot, but it's great. I mean, we can shout, yeehaw, but how do I actively see this in my life? How do I practically see victory in areas of my life? And that's what we've been talking about for these four weeks is faith. We have to understand how faith works. And so this is the part that I want to kind of just sum this little bit of time in. How does faith come? How does it come? Because, I mean, okay, I got it. It's already inside of me. How is it stirred up? Faith comes, Romans 10.10, or sorry, 10.17. It says this, faith comes how? Hearing. hearing, that is, what? Hearing the good news about Christ. Now, I don't know, what do you see a lot? That There's a word that's in there a few times. Hearing. Hearing, 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 hearing. And especially in the culture that we are in today, there's a lot of talking going on, but we as believers have to learn to hear. Hearing is crucial for your and my faith to come. Like what Jamie just said, giving herself regular checkups. Well, I do that for myself on a regular basis. I sit in my nice white chair I have in my room, and I say, Lord, give me a checkup. How am I doing when it comes to walking in line with your word? How does it look? Do I match up to what your word says? Because again, what the word is not for, I can't take the word and say, I'm going to apply this to my life. No, I take my life and I apply it to the word. This word is unaltered. It's not going to change. So I have to apply myself to this. So, Lord, how am I doing in this? Where is it at? And I just take time practicing hearing. Hearing is vital for you and I. And kind of what Jamie said too, like, I mean, I grew up in these faith circles. And all I remember even doing is talking a bunch. Confess this, confess that, say the right thing. And I, those are all good, and that's a huge part of it. Don't get me wrong. But where's the hearing aspect? What am I saying? I'm just saying whatever comes to my mind is the best thing for that problem. Rather than hearing from him on what the answer is. I spent so much time talking, shouting, rejoicing, running around. And the Lord just wants you to get hearing. So we're going to talk a little bit about hearing tonight. That okay? Okay. Dory, I'm not going to take your whole evening. I'm just going to really dive into this. So the Lord just opened up my eyes. There's a few things that you've got, you've got to position your hearing. So you can go through the Word of God, and we'll just do that right now. But you, for me, I saw three different areas that you could be hearing that you're positioned to hear. Number one is that you have ears to hear. Anybody ever heard that phrase, ears to hear? Now, if you think about it, I have ears to hear. <laughs> I mean, God gave us ears. And I mean, how do we hear God? This is a question I ask my kids on a regular basis. So I'm going to do the test on y'all. Where do we hear God? Where's your ears? All right, you passed the test. All right, on the inside. 
Because I go a lot of times, people are looking for something on the outside. God is a spirit. And if you are a child of God, He's not going to speak to you primarily out here. He's a spirit. And if you're a child of God, guess where He lives? On the inside of you. He's connected to your spirit. So God is speaking to you with these ears. He's on the inside of you and He is talking to you constantly. He's always there. Okay. But ears to hear. So this basically, in Matthew chapter 7, this is listening with the intent to understand and do what is said. This really has to do with the attitude that you have when it comes to hearing. When you hear the Word of God. When anytime you come to a church service, uh, the question I want to ask is, what is your position to hear? When you have maybe your time with the Lord, maybe it's at home or you, whatever you go, you go to a coffee shop, whatever you do with your time with the Lord, what is your position to hear? Is it just to do your duty? Is it there, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm in this so I can learn. I'm in this so I can apply something to my life. How do you hear? So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it just says this. Anyone who listens, notice that word again, listens. If I say listens, this is a lost art for, for in the culture that we're in today, but listening. Listening to my teaching and follows it. Notice what Jesus says, he's wise. <laughs> So how do you become a smart person? I listen with the intent to do. Jesus called you wise. Yes. Forget what my grade 7 teacher said about me. I am smart. SMRT. I can do it. Right? Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. And he says, like a person who builds a house in solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. So can again, can you see right here, God's will for your life is that your life will not collapse. That's His will. But how do I see my life not collapsing? What do I need to be doing? I need to be hearing with the intent to do it. So again, it's all the position of my hearing. How am I hearing? Am I just coming to church because i got to check that off the religious box? Oh, I did my duty this week. Woo, see you next Sunday, see you next Saturday. Now I've done my time. Then you're coming in with the wrong motive already. Right? And what are you going to get out of church? Nothing. For some people, church is boring. And I can't figure out why. You're going to spend time with God? And He's going to reveal something to you? But again, it all comes on the position of how you're hearing. If you think the message is going to stink, guess what? It's going to stink. So it's not all on me, y'all. That's what I'm saying. All right? <laughs> but I mean, if you look at the, this verse again, but what took out this house? Was it the winds and the rains that took it out? No. It was where the house was built, right? This house was built on rock, so the, the rains and the torrents could not take the house out. Now the second one, so ears to hear. The second uh, position for hearing is ears that are hearing, but they're not in it to understand. So this is the gospel goes in one ear and out the other. They hear, but not to understand or what they've heard. So they're just simply doing the task. I come in, okay, I've heard the good news, oh, that's good, but it goes right out the other ear, not thinking, how can I apply this to my life? How can I see this? How can this impact me today? And you'll see that with the next guy in verse 26. Uh, it says, but anyone who hears my teaching, and notice this, and doesn't obey it, is what? Foolish. Another translation just say stupid. Right? S-T-O-O-O-P-I-D. Just stupid. So what are you doing? You're wasting, your, you're spending your time, you're coming to church, you're putting the time in, you're putting the effort to get there. Why not get the full bang for your buck? 
You're coming in and you're going, oh, that's good, that's good. But look, they're not in thinking about doing it, so they're foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. Now notice what happens again when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house. Notice what it will do. It will collapse. Why? How come? Because of the position of his hearing. He came in with no intention. Okay, yeah, I got to just, this is great, God. This is, this is awesome, but not going to do anything for me. This is the problem that I'm having. Or this is a situation that I'm facing. Well, the Bible says, Jesus said, you're foolish. And the result is that it will collapse. Then he says, with a mighty crash. So not only are you going to fall, but your fall is going to be huge. And is that God's will? Not at all. I'm glad that it's written down in red so that we can see it. Jesus clearly is warning you and I, this is not the life I want for you. So let me encourage you, how is your hearing? What position are you taking to hear? Right, because I've met a lot of people, man, they, 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 you can have two people come to the same message, hear the same word, one person go, man, I got my answer, I got exactly what I was looking for. And it may not even was be addressed what was even the problem that he was facing, but because he was positioned to hear, God was able to get something to him. And then the other guy come in go, man, church was sure lame today. Man, I didn't even get, I didn't even get the meal that I wanted afterwards. What is going on? It's the position of the hearing. It's everything to do. So it's an attitude that you have about the hearing of the word of God. Thirdly, itching ears. And I'm not talking about you just got an itch going on. In Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 4, this simply describes individuals who seek out messages and doctrines or teachings that condone their own lifestyle as opposed to adhering to the teaching of the truth of the word of God. So they're looking for people to give them the message that they want to approve of the lifestyle that they're living. And especially in the days that we're in now, this is the way it's going to go. Like you can read, we'll go in verse 1. So this is Paul charging Timothy, and Timothy at this time was a young pastor. right? And he had the biggest church at the time, probably a couple thousand, 10,000 people I believe it was. Some of the um, history shows us. And this guy was a very young pastor, I think in his early 40s. And he's got this, he, he took this church on and boom, there it is. And so Paul is encouraging him. And he actually, if you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, man, that's alarming. He actually says, in the last days, it will be very hard for believers. Why? And it starts listing off everything. Actually, just turn there. You, you, got, you got your Bibles? Just look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 just for a moment. Because this was alarming just for me. Like I spent some time studying these verses out. And you look at it and read it, you find out God, Paul is not talking about the world being this. So let me just read it. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, that in the last days, how I many you know we're in the last days? It says, there will be very difficult times. Sorry, I don't have it on the screen. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Who is he talking about? Those are Christians so-called Christians that he's reading this whole list off of. That's quite something else that we got to be aware of. This is not talking about the world. The world's already doing this. He's talking about people who call themselves Christians. Oh, I'm a Christian. But you look at the way that they live, they live no different than what the world's living like. There's got to be a difference. 
So when you kind of read it on, Paul is charging Timothy. He's encouraging him. Come on, Timothy. You know, put on your big boy pants. Let's do this thing. Continue to preach the word. And now this is the day that I believe Paul was talking about. He saw this day. And he said it's going to be more difficult than this day when he was, when he was alive. And listen, the time that he was alive, they were putting Christians at the stake. They were throwing them to feed the lions. They put them in the Colosseum to, you know, have, make fun of them and, you know, do all these kinds of games with them. How could it be worse? Because Christians, they're calling themselves Christians, but they don't look like it at all. And so we got, I mean, for our, our boys even, we're wanting to make sure they're trained up. Just because somebody says, oh, it's a Christian thing, doesn't make it Christian. Doesn't make it Christian at all. In fact, we got to make sure that it lines up with what this is. Anywho, that's just my side little tangent. But 2 Timothy chapter 4 now, verse 1. Now this is talking about itching ears. He says, Paul, or again, Paul is saying, Timothy, in the presence of our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead, by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemnly instruct you to proclaim the word of God. So he's instructing, and this is something that Jamie and I take very seriously. You will never get our opinions here. You're never going to get the high thought of what we think is right. We are going to give you only what the Word of God says. Not my grown up, how I grew up, this is what the Word says, that's it. We are committed to doing that. Why? Because, well, he charged us in the, in the presence of God. I don't want to stand before God and say, well, I gave my opinion. It came from Facebook and everybody was talking about it. <laughs> Instagram said it was fine and I got 400 likes for it. And I ain't doing that. Proclaim the word of God, and he says, and stand upon it no matter what. This is how we live, and I want to encourage you for your own life, for your family's sake, stand upon it, this word, no matter what. It's not going to be easy, of course not. People will call you hate, hate crime. They'll, they'll say, man, you're just, you're crazy. You Bible thumper. Take it. That's who we are. We are believers of this word. We love God and we love people, yes, but we are not going to change this to meet somebody's needs or where they're at. This is true. Okay? Then he says, rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it's not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. Verse 3 now says, for the time is coming, and I believe it's right now, when they will no longer, Tomo people will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. So there's again another way that you could position your hearing. I only want to hear what I want to hear. If it's not going to make me feel good, if it's not going to make it easy for me, then I just don't want it. It's offensive. Well, sorry, it's suck it up. That's the way it's going to be. The Word of God now is an offensive book to a whole lot of people. And not that we try to be, that's our, the, the furthest thing from it. We are not trying to be offensive. That's not what God's called us to do. We're to teach or preach the Word of God with truth and love. That's how we have to minister. But listen, we can't change this. We have to give the truth. Because listen, what sets people free is truth. As long as we keep, oh, you know, whatever you want to hear. And okay, okay, that's what you want to hear. We'll keep going with that. We're just soothing them. We're not helping people. We want people ready to meet God in the proper and the fullness of what they're called to do, right? So again, these are the three positions that I see in the Word. There could be more, but these are the ones that really just stuck out for me that I wanted to share with you, is that I have ears to hear. I have ears that hear, but I don't understand, or I don't put honor on the Word. And lastly, I have itching ears. Tell me something good. Tell me what I want to hear. 
Just, you know, put some icing on it. Man, I'll put a cherry on top. No, oh, that's delicious. I like that. What do you want to hear? So that's a question you got to ask for yourself. And now I'm going to close with this. You guys, everybody okay still? We're, we're good? Okay. But in the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, you see there's something that Jesus said to every single church in the last days. And it was all the same. But he said, be a church that has ears to hear. So he's encouraging you and I to be people that will tune our ears to hear in the sense of, I'm paying attention. Lord, what do you, what do you want to say? What, in my time with him, when I come to a service, when I go to a service, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? I, I'm ready, Lord, talk to me. If I need a correction, I'm open for correction. If I need guidance, Lord, I'm open for guidance. Whatever you want to say to me, Lord, I'm your man. I'm your woman. You tell me what you want to say, and I will do it to the best of my ability. That's what he's looking for. And you see that in Revelation from chapter 3 through 4 talking to seven different churches. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. You have to hear for yourself. Faith requires you hearing from God. I can't use, Jamie can't, I can't just depend on Jamie hearing from God. Okay, Jamie, tell, what did God tell you? Okay, 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 I, I got that, I got that. Now, because we're married, there's some cases with that. I'll use my brother on this side. Man, okay, Jamie, I, okay, Jamie what is God telling you? What is he speaking to you? Okay, then I'm going to take that for myself too. There's a time for that, but let me encourage you. God gave you your own faith. He gave you your own ears to hear from Him. And in Proverbs verse, uh, tw chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Eyes that see and ears that hear, both are gifts from the Lord. So this is something that kind of back up to what I said at the very beginning. I already got it. I have been acknowledging to myself on a regular basis, I have eyes that see and I have ears that hear. I'm not trying to get my eyes opened. They're opened. I'm not trying to get my ears opened. They're opened. So I've just been saying that because I'm acknowledging already what I have, every good thing that's in me. And it says this, that these are both gifts from the Lord. I have eyes that see. I got ears that hear. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad that they're not shut? Because what's the worst? Is trying to live out this Christian life and you can't see and you can't hear. What are you going to do? Oh, just hope to God that it works. This, I'm glad he's, not, he's, he's giving it to us. <clears throat> But I want to show you this. Can you go to Exodus chapter 14? If you give me about seven more minutes, I'll, I'll just finish up here. But just along this line, you must hear for yourself. This is a very powerful uh, illustration of this when it comes to faith. Because a lot of times you see people, oh, so-and-so did this. I'm going to do that. And has that ever worked? It has never worked. It doesn't work that way. Because again, God giving you ears for yourself. And this is a great story. This is for Exodus chapter 14. This is right out. Uh, Moses delivers the Israelites from the hand of Pharaoh. God does these ten plagues, and it is miraculous what he does. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, find Moses, the, the, the angel of death, came and killed all the firstborns in, in Egypt. And Pharaoh finally said, fine, take everybody out, you can go. So the, the, the next day, the early that next morning, the Israelites pack up all their belongings, take all the money from the Egyptians, and off they go to go to Mount Sinai where they can meet God for themselves. Now on their way, they come across, and right in front of them is this Red Sea. And all of a sudden, they got some scouts looking in the back, and Pharaoh is ticked. I've lost all my slaves. Who's going to build this? Who's going to build that? So now he's angry, and now he's coming back for some revenge. So now they've got a Red Sea in front of them, mountains on the side, and they got Pharaoh breathing down their neck. That's a hard place and a wet place. It's a very tough place to be, right? So this is where it picks up, verse 15. All the people started whining, Oh God, why did you bring us out here? We're going to just kill us out in the desert? Just a bunch of wimpiness going on. Then verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Oh, where? Swim! 
<laughs> Get going, do something. Then he says, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle. Now remember, what? how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So now who is speaking here? Verse 16, the beginning of it. This is God speaking to who? To Moses. So what's coming to Moses as he's hearing this? Faith is coming. Right? The ability to respond to what's being said. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be seen or displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire. Isn't this amazing? Like if you think about it, we know this story, but if you think about it, man, are you kidding me? Lighting up the night, but the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Now, why could they do that? Because God told Moses, stretch forth your hand and I will cause the sea to split. So they could only respond on what God said, right? So it's on dry ground with the walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Now, did God tell Pharaoh to go in? No. If, if Pharaoh were hearing God, he's probably saying, turn around. Let him go. Right? But the, just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, now again, faith comes how? By hearing, hearing by the word. Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and the charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots, charioteers, and the entire army of Pharaoh. All of the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. Is that it? Oh, this is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians wash up on the seashore. Now, I want you to see this because Hebrews 11 verse, uh, what's that next verse I have on there, guys? 29. It said, it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as soon they were on dry ground. But notice what it says. But when the Egyptians tried, faith you don't try. You don't try this thing. But notice what happened is, the Israelites heard from God to do what? To cross to the other side. What did the Egyptians do? They tried to follow, and what happened? They were drowned. So just because you saw somebody receive their healing, receive their miracle, receive whatever from God a particular way, we kind of go, 
Oh, I'm going to try doing it that same way. They, they prayed for an hour. Okay, I'm going to try doing that. Did God tell you that? Because if he didn't, now you're just trying it and it becomes into a religious work. Oh man, we, we sang this song at church and it just totally set me free. Now I got to sing this song every single night at 745 because this is what happens when I sing that song. Did God tell you that? Because if he didn't, now you're just trying something and you're going to be very, very frustrated. So again, I want to ask you, what's the position of your hearing? It all comes back to the position of your hearing and hearing it for yourself. There is nothing greater. God gave you eyes to see, ears to hear, and the heart behind all that is so that you could see and hear from Him for yourself. He wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So again, just some practical application. Let me encourage you. This is some things that I've, I'm working on myself. Number one is to shut off all distractions. Get away with Him. I put my phone away. I put my iPad away. I get rid of all that stuff. God, I have my Bible. I have a notebook. Lord, let's just talk to me. Right? Because it's so easy to go all of a sudden. I wonder if my Instagram got any likes this past, you know, this past hour. It, it, it's crazy how we just become so addicted to all these things. I just put it aside on purpose. Lord, I'm coming to you. Number two is I'm expecting to hear. When I come to the Lord, it's not just me going to be talking for an hour. I'm going to be going and I'm expecting the Lord to speak back to me. You've got to want to hear from Him. Lord, I want to hear from you. What are you saying? What do I need to be looking at? And the way that the Lord said to me, it just said, Joel, don't do all the talking. Learn to be still. And thirdly, and I'm about to see if you can kind of tell, I'm a really, ah, let's get at it kind of an individual. So to learn to sit still and still learning it. It's a process. But just you got to start somewhere, right? And then thirdly, spend time with God regularly. Because if you kind of go, okay, God, I'll see you next week, Sunday, we'll, we'll try again. It, it will be very difficult. I know Jamie's voice. I could pick her up from a crowd. Not because, I mean, I, it's because I spend daily with her. I hear her talking continually to me. Right? And we're, well, not that you talk a lot. I don't mean it that way. We're, we're in communication constantly. So whenever she picks up the phone, she says, hey, it's me. I don't go, uh, Javen? Mom? Uh, Oma? Who this? It's your wife, Jamie. I've never had to ever hear her say, hey, it's me. Well, partly because when she phones, it says my love and a really cool picture of her pops up on my phone. I know it's her, but if even not, I know my wife's voice because I spend regular time with her. I know it's so practical, but sometimes it gets so easy. You get caught up in your day. Spend some time with him every single day. Don't just let it be a regular Sunday thing. And whenever he speaks to you, journal. This is the thing that I do. I journal a lot. When he says something to me, I write it down, but I always check if it lines up with the Bible. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not him. Right? We got to be clear. Oh, the Lord told me to, you know, to leave my wife. Okay. Well, how do you know that? Well, he just told me that in prayer. But does it say that in the scriptures? God would never say something that contradicts his word. Just, just so we're clear, because a lot of times people get these ideas of, you know, God said this to me. Well, sorry, that doesn't line up with Scripture at all. So that was not Him. So that's how you distinguish knowing His voice is knowing what the Word says. Right? Cool, that makes sense? So that's one, two, three. It's easy as ABC. One, two, three, ABC. Whatever, you got it. Cool, is there any questions? Don't be shy, you can shout it out. Was this helpful? Yes. Kind of. <laughs> Maybe something to think about. But really, we just we want to grow in this, and we're going to be finishing off next week on this series of faith. 
Uh, so next week will be our last week and just talking more about the, the doing side of it. Um, but really the key for miracles, Mary said it, whatever he tells you to do, do it. But the key is whatever he tells you to do. So you got to hear from him first. Let's just pray and then we'll, um, Aaron, I'll get you, you can come up, sir. And then we'll, we'll go from there. Father, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, we love you. We give you praise and we thank you so much that your word is bringing truth to us even now. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, Lord. I thank you that you will confirm this word in them, even when they're lying in their bed tonight. Father, that you are for them, that you desire to speak to them, you desire to be heard by them. Lord, you are our shepherd. You're our good shepherd, and we know your voice. And we thank you for that. We put our trust in what you've already said about your word, what you've said about us. Lord, we thank you for it. And we're going to acknowledge right now. Let's just acknowledge a few things for a moment. I'll get everybody just to say this after me. I have ears to hear, eyes to see. My good shepherd, my Jesus, calls me by name. He leads me out into victory, into strength. He's leading me now into wisdom and guidance in my situations that I'm facing. I know his voice and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. I have faith. He gave me his faith. And it's for me to use and to exercise so I can see victory in every area of my life. I am an overcomer. I am victorious. I am strong. I am wise. I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. Thank you, Lord. I worship you. I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's what we do. We just acknowledge every good thing. Continually doing that. You're not trying to get something from God. You already got it. So I'm just saying that if I need healing in my body, if the enemy's trying to take something away, I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm going to just stop for a second. What do I believe? Like what Jamie said. I believe that I am the healed. That's who I am. And the enemy's trying to take it away. Lord, I just want to thank you that I am the healed. Meanwhile, your rib could be giving you a lot of pain, a lot of trouble. Lord, no, you made me the healed. This is who I am. So instead of rather I'm trying to get something, I'm just releasing what I've already got. That's a totally different perspective, right? Cool. Well, thank you for your time. Hello again. Thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love for you to stop by and hear one of our weekend messages. For any directions, service times, or more information on our children's programming, you can visit us at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.